To say that Jesus was stirring the pot in these last few days of his life would be an understatement. Jesus was exposing Israel's leadership for rejecting God for religion. Let's remember what Jesus was up to. Remember, he was throwing tables in the temple. Throwing off the, the plans, the business plans of the Israel's leaders, the most important season of their year in business, the Passover. He calls them a bunch of thieves. He challenges their authority. And yet, when things seem to be as heated as possible, Jesus steps it up. And he does so by providing two powerful parables with one overarching point. The first parable is about a vineyard, the second of a construction site. And here's the point of these two vivid imageries. Israel's leaders were marked by rejecting God for religion. We're going to take a look in Mark chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And this is what it says. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence, fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. Again he went to them, another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and, the, and he sent another, and him they killed, and so many others, some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent them to, the, to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir, come. Let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Tragically, often when people receive... Priv the privilege and responsibility of managing another wealthy estate, two things happen, entitlement and greed. This is precisely the situation here. The tenants who lived, worked, and guarded the estate at some point lost the sight of the owner's worth. As the owner sends servants to collect a sample of his fruit, the tenants do the unthinkable. They beat the servants 
Then they treat the servants shamefully. Then they kill the servants. You see, in the mind of the tenants, the, the owner no longer owned the vineyard. And the spoils were completely theirs. Heartbroken. The owner sends his own flesh and blood, his son, reasoning, surely the tenants will respect him. But to his dismay, what happens? Not only do they beat him, but they kill his only son. Why? Because they reasoned with themselves, well, the inheritance will be mine. You see, entitlement and greed led the tenants to kill the offspring of the very owner that supplied them life and purpose in their life. The second imagery is of a construction site. This is what it says in verse 10. Have you not read the scripture, the stone that builders uh, rejected have begun, become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. You see, Jesus switches the metaphor by quoting the Old Testament. You see, the job of the builders was to build a beautiful home or a building. But tragically, the builders reject the very central stone that will make the building the building. Therefore, their rejection of the stone became the cornerstone by which the building was built. You see, these two metaphors act as a prophecy. What, what is precisely going to happen in a matter of days. Israel's leaders rejecting God for religion. They were... They, delivered Jesus to the Romans to hang him upon a cursed tree. Why? So they can keep their man-made religion going. They put heavy weights and burdens upon the people by their man-made rules and squeezed all the money out of Israel during Passover time. But what's fascinating and yet tragic is that Israel's leadership actually ends up fulfilling this prophecy right away. Take a look at Mark chapter 12, verse 12. And they, which if you look in chapter 11 is the Sanhedrin, they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people. For they perceived that, they had, that, that he had told the parable against them, them. So they left him and went away. Mark 12, 12. You see, verse 12 is absolutely fascinating. They knew the parable was about them, and nevertheless, they entered into the parable, fulfilling it. Notice what the text says. Because they knew that Jesus was speaking about them, they were seeking to arrest him. You see, the tenants are about to kill the son of the vine dresser. The builders were rejecting the stone. Now, just for a couple minutes, I want to look at two other passages that relate to this imagery, specifically of the vine, the vineyard. 
You see in Isaiah chapter 5, God describes his people as a vineyard. And you can read the entire chapter at your own leisure. However, let me give you a snapshot. God is the one that does the work. He provides the vineyard for his people. He does the heavy lifting. He digs, he clears, he plants, plants, he builds the watchtower. But in the end of all his work and toil, he looks at his reward, his spoil. And what does he see? He says, wild grapes. In the Hebrew, it actually means stinky fruit. Israel exchanged their righteousness for wickedness, rejecting God for religion. The imagery has a shocking spiritual lesson for God's people. They rebelled despite God rescuing his people from Egypt, providing for them in the wilderness, supplying Israel with a beautiful and spacious land. And yet they exchanged God's gifts or God for his gifts. And in the end, they stank like the world. Here's another passage, John chapter 15. We see that Jesus is the ultimate fruit bearer. Let me just read uh, uh, John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. You see, Jesus is the perfect Israelite modeled for Israel and for us what fruit bearing should look like. He was morally pure, missionally eager. The Son of God lives the fruitful life that the Father was seeking. He fully pleased the Father in every dimension. Jesus replaces Israel's failed attempts to bear fruit. Now we as God's people have a responsibility to abide in Jesus. Abide means to remain, or an example I like to use is to be at home with. Don't visit other places for peace, joy, and satisfaction. Remain trusting in Christ for eternal joy. But here's an application for us today. We are to avoid man-made religion. You see, piety seems attracted for serious-minded believers who seek to serve God. And there is no shame in a disciplined life of holiness. Scripture commands such behavior. But let us be careful not to cling to man-made religious behavior. If we want to be truly like Jesus and have Jesus in the center of our gatherings, let's ensure we get the right Jesus among us. Yes, Jesus is holy, free from corruption, free from worldliness. And yet at the very same time, Jesus is not distant from the sinner who sat in the homes of sinners and tax collectors with a drink in his hand. We read of him reaching out and talking to the town whore. He exposed the religious zealots. Is this the Jesus you gather to? 
Is this the Jesus that you and I look like? Oh, that we would cast down our man-made stumbling blocks that will get us to the real Jesus. Those of us who are leaders in God's church, let this passage be a lesson to us. The church isn't ours. We don't have a right to make man-made rules. We are only stewards or managers or tenants of God's inheritance. Acts chapter 20, verse 20 says, 28 says, Be careful to yourselves and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. When church leaders become entitled, developing man-made rules for God's house, they join themselves with Israel's leadership by rejecting Jesus for religion. Let's have grace-centered, gospel-loving, Jesus-proclaiming communities that mark our churches. But this lesson isn't just for leaders, but each of us. We all have a responsibility to side with Jesus on this one. When we declare and display the wondrous hope of Jesus, our lives, our lives become fruitful to our Lord. In fact, God describes the obedient life of the believer as well smelling, a well-smelling offering unto him. This is in contrast to God's people who are yielding stinky fruit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 says this in verse 14. Though through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Oh, that in 2022, we will be marked by bearing fruit that honors the Jesus of Scripture. Let us refuse to be marked by rejecting God for man-made religion. But instead, let's passionately pursue Jesus with everything we got. God bless and have a wonderful week.